0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Father, I just thank you for this message uh, that has not come from my heart at all. It's come from you. I thank you that you see your children, that you treasure us, and that you have a vengeance against the death that tries to come against us, and that it's your desire to set us free from every thought, from every belief that's been... uh, sent to us that is not of you I thank you this morning that it's going to be you and who you are that's going to set our hearts free in a greater way so the title of the message is freedom from every wind of doctrine this message started getting deposited in me uh, when Maurice uh, taught on paradigms and I really hadn't heard that word very much and I didn't really like it at first when I heard it because it's new and strange to me. Now I love the word and hopefully after today you're going to treasure it also. The sermon, if you want to go back to what Maurice uh, taught on, was called Perfectionism versus Perfection. And he spoke about how this particular paradigm affected our lives even though we didn't realize that that's what was happening. I became very aware not only of the word paradigm but of what was going on in my life. That it's almost like God just illuminated to me as I walked through the simple day that I had all the paradigms that were being uh, hit at me, all the paradigms that were coming out of me that I had lived with all my life, but I hadn't realized it and more so where they had come from and were they from the heart of God? So I became very aware that there were two mindsets that exist in the earth in all of our lives and they sit side by side. They are drastic differences between the two and how they affect our lives. So before I go any further. I am going to tell you what a paradigm is, remind you, and then I'm going to give you an object lesson to help you not forget. You can take the girl out of children's church but you can't take the children's church out of the girl. (laughs) (laughs) A paradigm is something that we use spiritually or in life to operate in this world. It's the way we perceive life that we think has worked for us in the past. So we're sure that it's correct. That's very important. I'm going to talk a lot about that today. When we're sure that what we believe is right there is this resistance when we hear something that opposes it and without us even realizing we can grab a hold of that thing and just not want to let it go. But praise God, we've got a God that does not get tired. <laughs> and he continues to persuade our hearts with the truth over and over and over again. A paradigm can also be seen as a standard, a perspective, a set of ideas. It's the way you look at something. When a paradigm changes in us, the way we think changes. So here's my little object lesson. I hope you all can see it. It's water and I just put food coloring in it so it would be easier to see it. Now there are two paradigms that exist about this cup of water. You may not be aware of them yet, but I'm going to tell you. Some people in this room see this cup as half full. Some of you see this cup half empty. That is a paradigm. It's just the way you look at things. And when you look at things, whatever the paradigm is in your heart, it just comes up to the surface. You're not even aware that that's what's going on, but it's affecting you. So the world offers us a set of paradigms the way It operates its standards and it tries to help us attain its standards. An example of that. And we've talked about this here before the American dream. That's a set of standards. That's a paradigm. We grew up with it. We grew up with it um, as kids becoming adults and wanting to attain that all that's in our heart set a standard for the good kind of way we could live. And I, I just want to thank God. We're going to have some special effects probably. We're going to be talking about houses that can stand and that can't. And so God is just supplying me with a little bit of wind and maybe some rain to just, you know, make it a little more real for us. So we have this <laughs> we have this world's set of standards or paradigm. Or way of looking at things and then God has a standard his perspective his paradigm those things about God are his characteristics it's not just what he does it's who he is his actions in his behavior just flows out of who he is and he is good and he wants us to understand how good he is so that when he comes To set our paradigms straight, we won't be like, (laughs) no. So man's ideas about what makes a life good and God's ideas don't always agree. In fact, they often don't agree. Isaiah 55 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord, for as, as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth. Think about that one for a minute. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, when I used to read this scripture, I used to think things like, that's right, God only thinks good about people. God never has a, negative thought, I'm such a worm, you know, I I can't ever meet God's standards. No, God is saying, I think better about you than you think about yourself. I think more often about you and how wonderful you are. than you think about yourself. All God has to give you is better than what you've already got. His thoughts are better than your thoughts. They're more wonderful. Than our thoughts. And that's one of the reasons that we don't have to be so afraid of the thoughts that we get. And I'm as I go through the message, I'm gonna explain why. But Greg already touched on it a little bit. Those times when those weaknesses rise up out of us and those thoughts come to us and they disturb us and we're so upset, that's when we go talk to Jesus. Man, he wants to be involved in everything in our lives. He's not afraid of anything that we're encountering. He sees from his paradigm. He's already whooped it. He has conquered it already. So many times we get hard on ourselves because we feel like we can't produce God's life in us. But we weren't created. do that. We weren't created to produce God's life in our own strength. Why not? Have you ever thought about that? The last couple of months, God has just been having me think about things. So many thoughts that I had, but God would say, why? Why didn't God create us with the ability to produce his life? Because he wants to serve you. Wow. God wants to serve you. He wants to serve you with his love. He wants to serve you with his peace. He wants to serve you with his joy. And he wants to just have that flowing through you from him. Not anything you have to strive for. Not anything you have to work for. And not anything that you have to feel guilty about. If you don't see it, it's all from God. So, we're going to take a closer look at these two paradigms, or two ways of looking at things. We're going to put God's paradigm and man's paradigm right next to each other. And we're going to look at them deeply. And we're going to find out what each one of them produces in us and what each one produces in the world. Okay, God, (laughs) I want you to think about sandcastles for a minute. Have you ever built a sandcastle on the beach? A lot of fun. You can have a lot of fun doing that. Some of them you see what people create with sand, and it's a beautiful work of art. And yet there's an element about sandcastles that's very disappointing. You know what it is? It's temporary. (laughs) It doesn't last. And it doesn't take much to knock it over. A big wave. Some wind. Some rain. And people. people, That's (laughs) right. No matter how beautiful it is, and no matter how much time you spent on it, it's not going to last forever. That's because it's fragile. That's its nature. Matthew 7 talks about sandcastles. It says, Everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does not do them shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Sand doesn't possess immortality. It can be tossed to and fro very easily because it has no strong foundation. That scripture is talking about a man that builds his life on his own works. It just won't stand. And then there was the man who built his house on the rock. When the rain came, it didn't fall. When the floods came, it didn't fall. When the winds blew and beat upon the house, it didn't fall. Jesus said it's a wise man that builds his house on the rock. What is the rock? It's God. It's Jesus. It's his strength. The sandcastle and the house of rock both look beautiful to the carnal or the natural eye, but one is temporary and it's subject to the elements in this world. The other, is not temporary it's immortal and it is not subject to the world's elements in fact it overcomes the world's elements it's eternal and it contains an incorruptible seed these two opposing mindsets or paradigms press in on us daily both offering us life when you think about it when A thought comes to you to do something and it didn't come from God. It usually isn't sent to you like, here's some death. You want some death? No. It's never presented like this. It's all wrapped up in fancy wrapping paper and a bow. It's to look good. Isn't that how the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was described in the garden? It looked good for food. Eve saw it looked good for food. So we're talking about two paradigms. They both look good to us in the natural realm. One brings us life and the other is going to bring us death. Cain built his house on the sand, which was his own works, what he could produce. Even if we're building our house on sand, which we're all doing it in some ways. We don't always have God's mindsets all the time. Even if we're building some areas in our life on the sand. The good news is that God is always with us. Always persuading our hearts. Always bringing us his paradigm. Just like he did for Cain. He brought the sin offering to Cain and put it right outside his door. You know what he brought to Cain, right? Himself. That's what he brought to Cain himself. Here I am. I want to do for you. I want to serve you. Abel, on the other hand, built his house on the rock. His foundation was Jesus. Our hearts were created to experience life. So it's reasonable that out of our hearts and the desire in our hearts is to seek after life. The problem is, is there is a false life, a counterfeit that looks good for life, but it's deadly. It tries to engage our self effort, our own works to get life. Ephesians talks about not being tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. There's only one true gospel. All the others are imposters that try to deceive man into getting life through his own works. Have you ever felt bad about yourself because you couldn't forgive somebody? You couldn't love somebody. You couldn't this. You couldn't that. Why do you feel bad about yourself? Because in your heart you were brought up with a paradigm. That taught you, you should be able to produce that fruit. In your own strength. You didn't have to think about it. That guilt just comes up. That feeling that I should be able to do this. Who told you that? That's not from God. God says, let me do it for you. Let me heal your heart. Let me pour myself into you. And when you're so full. When somebody come and pushes on you, what's inside of you for me will just come out. Most of us grew up under that paradigm of trying to produce God's fruit in our own strength. This is what Jesus says about it in Matthew 11. He presents the two paradigms. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Two ways of thinking there, two paradigms. How are the people laboring and heavy laden? What are they doing that's doing that to them? They're trying to produce God's life in their own strength. Have you all been there? You remember living under that paradigm where you were trying to please God by your behavior? (laughs) And no matter how long you prayed, no matter how much you gave, no matter how much you studied the Bible, there was always this sense that it was never enough. And this burden, this heavy thing on you, where you never could just rest and enjoy who you were. The false counterfeit gospel is what puts that labor and toil on us. God's paradigm, which is what he offers, is rest. It's easy and it's light. We don't produce God's life in our own strength. He does it for us. We see these two paradigms emerge in the garden. God's perspective, his paradigm was that he was going to have a family. He was going to serve them. He adored them. He filled them up with who he was. And they were to accept that life as a free gift. That isn't what happened. Another paradigm emerged in the garden. And Adam and Eve chose to get life in their own strength. That paradigm painted man and God in a whole different light. That is a lot of what God wants to undo in our lives every day. The new paradigm maligned God to man. Said God isn't as good as you want to believe he is. God's holding back something from you. We've all felt it. Things, you know, you have some days where it seems like the moment you got out of bed, everything just goes wrong. And that paradigm that's inside of you is going to begin pressing in on you. You might say things like, where's God? Why isn't he helping me? What have I done wrong? All those paradigms are ways that And teachings that have gone into our heart, they malign who God is. Can God ever separate himself from you? I mean, think about it. He has intertwined his heart with our heart. We're the place he wants to be. Sometimes we can't understand that and we need a revelation (laughs) to understand that. But that's how God is. God will never leave us. the serpent's paradigm tried to get man to believe that he was an orphan and that he couldn't trust god to give him life there's an expression that we hear sometimes about walking on both sides of the fence in this case we're going to be walking between two different ideas or paradigms james talks about a double-minded man always going to and fro between the two systems. It says when we're double minded, we're unstable in our ways. It's like that Daisy, you know, he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. I'm an orphan. I'm a son. I'm an orphan. I'm a daughter. There's no rest in that. Even when you're thinking that I am loved (laughs) and I am a son or a daughter. As soon as the next wave of disappointment or whatever comes, you flop over on the other side of the fence and you believe in something that isn't true. I have good news. We all go to that place. But when we find ourselves in that place, God will teach us how to rest. We can't fix it. We can't solve it. We, well, we can spend a lot of time trying to analyze it, but that doesn't produce any good fruit. Our only reasonable option is to talk to God about it. He knows, right? I mean, when Job was unhappy with God, God really talked to Job in such an amazing way. God uh, God said to Job, uh, were you there with me? When I created the stars, were you there? Do you know the expanse of the waters? I mean, it's like he brought Job to a place of very quick understanding that Job didn't know anything. But Job didn't need to know everything or anything because God had all the knowledge and God wants to give it to us. So we don't have to struggle for it. We don't have to fight for it. So I think it's so important, I'm not saying I'm there yet, I'm saying I have a touch of it, (laughs) that I can be at rest when I find myself walking in that wrong paradigm. Instead of struggling to try to get myself out of it, I go to God now and I just talk to him and I say, I can't, I don't even know why I'm here, I don't understand what's going on, but he knows it all. And he wants to set us free and heal our hearts. We don't ever need to feel shame or lack because we're connected to the vine. We were never supposed to have all this wisdom from ourselves. We get it as we hear and we continue to hear the truth. There is an incorruptible seed inside of us, and it produces the life. In James 1, God tells us, if we lack wisdom, to just ask God. Wow, wow, that's easy. Just ask God. And I'm not talking about just asking God like, oh, God, I need help with this. I think Greg might have talked a little bit about this in the Bible study. Get real with God. Don't just do it on the light surfacey thing. Go in and tell him exactly how you feel unreserved speech (laughs) that's the name we've been saying (laughs) in the bible study unreserved speech don't hold back with god let him go as deep as he wants to go and that wisdom will go to that place that you need to hear the truth and listen to what god says he will give his wisdom to all men wow no exceptions and he'll give it liberally. As we can open our hearts to God, that's what he has for us. Since I've become more aware of these two different paradigms or sets of values in my life, I've been talking to Jesus a lot more about them on a much deeper level, asking for his perspective quicker and more often. And I am amazed at how fast I'm beginning to hear his answers. I'm getting his wisdom quicker. Uh, later, on, I'm going to share a couple of those examples. I'm going to show you that the Bible is just full of these paradigms. In John sixteen, thirty three, Jesus said, these things I have spoken unto you that in me, you might have peace. In the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. How many people, the first thing that just jumps out of you when you're in tribulation is cheer? See the paradigm? One thing, one side says, when you're in tribulation, you're going to be sorrowful, you're going to be upset, you're going to be angry, whatever. God says... In my perspective, in my paradigm, even when you're in tribulation and having problems, my life, from my perspective, can give you joy and bring you peace. It is an amazing thing when that happens. Um, It does more than just give you peace in that situation. It heals your relationship with God even more because you realize the power that he wants to give you in in your life it's greater than just having the thing in your life or in the world made right and believe me for me to say that that is a miracle (laughs) (laughs) because that is where I have come from and I held on to that paradigm with all my strength for a lot of years but I'm finding out The relationship with God and finding out what he thinks about me and his ability to overcome what I'm experiencing the world is so much greater than having the little thing in the world get taken care of and it heals my heart. It lets me know there's nothing in this world that can overcome this life that God has for me and I'm learning that I can rest more and more and more as I have these experiences with God. How do we get this joy and peace and good cheer and love during tribulation? How does that happen? It happens as we experience God's life while we're in the tribulation. The tribulation is diminished as God's life overcomes it in our heart. The tribulation is diminished in our hearts, even while it's happening. It doesn't wait till you come out of the tribulation. God will produce his life right there during it. God's paradigm, his wisdom, supersedes and overcomes the paradigm of tribulation that tries to tell us that we lack or that we've been abandoned or that we're less than. So we can experience this paradigm shift right in the middle of tribulation. Even though our circumstances might not change, we can be plunged from fear into love, from sorrow into joy and from death into life. Jesus mentions these two paradigms in John 17. He talks about being in the world And he talks about not being of the world and we can experience those at the same time. We can walk in the world and yet not be of the world. So think about it when you travel to a foreign country on vacation, you have a certain mindset. It's temporary. You don't think of that country as your country, your place, your home. You know it's not your home. Its wisdom and its ways are not your wisdom or your ways. Its language is often different than yours. Its ways are foreign. I'm not much of a traveler. I'm more of a homebody. I only traveled out of the country once to Mexico. It was very strange to me, and I was uncomfortable there. I had never experienced throngs of people in, IN THE STREET LIKE THAT BEFORE AND CHILDREN JUST COMING IN AND, and PRESSING INTO YOU um, TO TRY TO SELL YOU SOMETHING AND THEN BEFORE WE LEFT THE COUNTRY WE SAW PEOPLE TRYING TO ESCAPE THAT COUNTRY. THEY SWAM ACROSS THE RIVER TRYING TO ESCAPE TO GET INTO A BETTER PLACE. HOW AMAZING. God is saying, you're in the world, but I have the way of escape for you so you don't have to be of it. I have an eternal, immortal home for you, and you can experience that and live there even while you're in this world. What an amazing offer that is, and we don't have to work for it. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) We see two paradigms again in the story of Martha and Mary. I never thought about it like this. But since this paradigm thing has exploded in my heart, like I said, every place I look, I see it. Martha wanted to serve Jesus with her works. Hmm mary wanted to let jesus serve her with his life one was a place of toiling do you like the fruit that was produced (laughs) the other place was a place of being served and resting that's what god wants us to experience and he wants us to become more aware of those two different places so we'll be able to experience that rest more and more and when we find we're in the place where we can't rest, we'll go to him and get set free. Since I've been looking at these paradigms in a new way, I've started meditating not in my own strength. It's just something God's done in me, but about vines and branches. I've known for years It was probably one of the first things I heard as a Christian that. Jesus is the vine and I'm the branch. You know what? A mental knowledge of that doesn't do much. It's just something you can say and we did. We said it a lot, but it didn't have the power like what I'm experiencing now. And I just find as I wake up each morning. The Holy Spirit is just there saying, you're the branch. (laughs) I'm the vine. You can rest. You can rest. I've got it. I've got it. Mm. It's like that that thought is in the forefront of my heart and my mind, and it just comes over me daily in waves. I'm so aware that the branch doesn't do anything to get life. And that's what I began meditating on. (laughs) What would it be like if the branch tried to send its nutrients to the trunk? I mean, can you imagine that little bitty thin twig trying to give anything to that big trunk? I mean, it's really absurd when you think about it. But if you don't think about it on that level, you don't realize how silly it is for us to believe that we can serve God or that we can serve ourselves with his life. I found that as I meditate on this more and more, I don't worry as much. I have experienced which this is really big for me and in a little bit I'll share how big. I used to think that I was responsible for taking away everybody's pain and that whenever anybody was hurting, it was up to me to take care of it. And that had come to me as a very little girl, but the church, (laughs) the traditional church, put it in me even more. And I was so heavily burdened And, you know, can we really take away people's pain? And so when you try to do that and you fail over and over and over again, the burden gets heavier and the guilt gets heavier. So how do you see yourself as the vine or the branch? If you think that you have to produce God's fruit, you're living from the perspective of being the vine. Our souls and minds get filled up with analyzing and fixing and finding solutions and feeling responsible. You feel like an orphan that's left to take care of himself. That means worry and fear and stress. We either see ourselves as the branch or we see ourselves as the vine. Depending on which outlook we have, we live our lives differently and it comes up effortlessly. When we live from the branch paradigm, we can rest. It isn't our job to produce the fruit. We don't even have to judge the fruit that comes out of us. Can you imagine how freeing that is? We know it's possible because Paul said he didn't judge himself. And I mean, Paul is such a good example because Paul had a past you know remember Saul (laughs) I mean he did some pretty atrocious things seems like out of all the people that we learn about in the New Testament he would have had the hardest time not judging himself seems like he would have also been judged by a lot of people right he had people killed and thrown in jail He split up families. He went into towns and just wreaked havoc in Christians' lives. Yet, after God had spent a lot of time with him, showing Paul God's perspective, God's paradigm, Paul said he didn't let anybody judge him. He didn't judge himself. He only accepted God's judgment. What a place of freedom. So Jesus came to the earth to set us free from all this self-effort, self-judging. But unfortunately, a lot of the church is still living in deception. They are choosing the mindset of the world, toiling for life that God has already given them freely. This mindset of earning God's favor is what tosses them to and fro based on their works. So we're going to look at paradigm shifts. What do they look like? How are we moved from one side of the fence to the other? And really what we're talking about is how do we move from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to the tree of life? How do we get off that fence walking with one foot on one side and the other on the other side? I've had several paradigm shifts recently two really major ones. It all started when I began meditating on the branch and the vine. And I came to a place where I could somewhat rest in that I was the branch, which meant that all the responsibility was no longer on me the way I thought it had been. So. I'm going to share one of the paradigm shifts now. Um, I I had problems with myself, um, who I was. But I I thought I knew why because naturally I've analyzed it and I've tried to fix it and <laughs> all those things and <clears throat> never was any good fruit produced out of that. But one morning, um, I was just again talking to Jesus and saying, please just show me what's going on because I don't have a clue. And all of a sudden, he reminded me of a memory that I had in the second grade. And in this memory, I was at school and the whole school had been called to assembly after classes were over by the principal. That was never good. I was in a Catholic school and the principal was all dressed in black from top of her head to the tips of her toes and when the principal wanted to talk to you it was never for a good reason. So anyway she came out and you know you have got all these kids and these teachers. The the parking lot was black top kind of covered with gravel and it was hot and the teachers I don't know for some reason But they thought if you didn't have a perfect straight line, you were some kind of a criminal. So the teachers are coming and yelling, straight line, straight, straight, straight line. And the principal's there, and she is talking about these terrible, awful children that didn't turn in their bus forms. I didn't have a clue what she was talking about. That should have been a clue right there. (laughs) But I didn't know what she was talking about but I you know I was a good little kid in school I did what the teacher said so I wasn't too worried well she ran it and raved and then she called up the kids names and she called my name and told me to come to the front right by her and then she called another little boy's name well it wasn't very nice and she yelled and screamed at us and Told us how we had caused so many problems and how bad we were. And then for punishment, she had us kneel on that black, hot, hot blacktop that had gravel over it for 30 minutes. I tell you, that was bad. But the worst part was the shame. And in front of the whole school, you know, it just devastated me. And so anyway, as this memory, I was going through this memory with Jesus. I was just crying and crying and crying. Jesus walks into the memory and he kneels down next to me on the blacktop gravel and puts his arm around me. And he says, I'm here to honor you. I am here to take all your shame and guilt away. I am here to tell you that you are God's child and you're seated at his right hand. Wow. It was amazing. You know, you've seen those movies where the King comes out and there's a, a knight and he kneels down and they put the sword on both sides of on both of their shoulders. It was like Jesus was doing that for me. That I was kneeling, but I was kneeling to be honored and to be restored, and to be rescued, not from that memory, from what my heart did with that, because it happened. I could have been a kid that said, you know, I don't care what she thinks. You know, who cares about a bus slip? And I could have walked out of it with no scars. But my paradigm said I agreed with her, and I was bad. And I deserve to be shamed. That's what God came to free me from. And wow, did he free me. There has just been, and again, it's effortless. I can just see I operate differently. I react to things differently. And the greatest thing is, is I even quicker now go to God. And I talk to Jesus quicker. And I let him go deeper because I realize he's going to take me places that I've forgotten. He's going to take me places that I'm not aware were harmful to me, but he's going to heal for me. So here's another paradigm shift. Oh, wow. Set your affections on things above and not on the things of the earth. Mm. Now, I knew that scripture 10 years ago, and I could quote it, but I couldn't live it. (laughs) I for sure couldn't live it because I did have affection for things in the world and in the earth, and I wanted to have them. So this shift for me was going to be profound. I knew God had persuaded Paul so much so that the things that he had treasured in the earth, he saw them as dung. But I didn't want to have this paradigm shift. I wanted what I wanted. So the shift has been very slow and awful painful for me. And it's because I spent several years in the Word of Faith camp I was taught that once I was saved, I could put salvation, uh, uh, it, it hurts me even to say it, and the cross and the resurrection to the side because that was already done. And now my time on earth in this Christian life is that I would build up my faith and make it strong by doing all these things in my own strength so that I could get the things that I wanted that were in the earth. And what I mean by that is the big house, the big car, the promotion. I'm not saying any of those things are bad. They're only bad if they're our gods and if we think we need them for life. Yeah. And what I didn't realize happened to me was I let go of the most valuable gift that God had given me. And I said, well, you already did that. Now I want these little trinkets that the earth can offer me. Trinkets. Yes. And you know, when I heard that message on building up your faith, it sounded so good to me because I'm like a worker bee. I like getting in there and getting it done. I especially like working It's something when you can see the big change after. (laughs) Like, I don't want to clean some place that nobody's going to see, but man, you let me loose in some place that everybody's going to see. I am on it, and I am going to love it. So I took this teaching, this paradigm, like a challenge, and I began the process of working at my faith to please God and to get the things that I wanted in the earth. Then, then, thank you. In 2013, Greg preached a sermon called Hope on a Slippery Slope. And I began to slip. And I dug in with my nails as hard as I could. But my world began to crumble, and I kept scooping up all the broken pieces trying to put them back together again. I wanted it all. I wanted eternal life, which I knew I already had, and I wanted everything to go right in this world for me. And I didn't have that. Do you know what that's like, wanting everything to go right in the world for you? Wow, that is a very disappointing place to live and I wanted everything to go right. I didn't want to have to deal with the things that I saw going wrong in the world. And so I wouldn't let go of my paradigm. But Greg, and by that I mean the preaching of the true gospel, kept giving my paradigm that one-two punch every week, every Bible study over and over and over. When we talked about everything in the Bible, having to line up and agree with each other, that put this big explosion inside of my paradigm. Nothing could contradict anything else in the Bible. And my little paradigm started having all these explosions inside of it. And I couldn't hold the pieces together anymore. But I would crawl around on the ground trying to scoop them all up, desperate to hold on to my worldly paradigm. God would surely honor my strong faith if I could just continue to hold on and not let go of my grip. I could continue to name it and claim it. I could have all the things that the world had to offer and eternal life as long as my faith was strong enough. Think about some of the messages that we've heard here. It's not your faith. (laughs) It's God's faith. (laughs) All these explosions just going off inside of me. Now, when I look back, I see that the tighter I gripped, the more miserable I became. Joy left. I began to question God and who he was. The foundation I had built on man's paradigm didn't feel secure anymore, but I still didn't like the new one. And so I was on the fence. Neither side was giving me any peace or any joy. Recently, I realized that what I was experiencing was Hebrews twelve eleven, and I'm going to read it from the passion translation. Now, all discipline seems to be painful at the time. Yet later, it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. I didn't have peace because I wasn't yielding to it. I fought it and I fought it and I fought it for years. So for years, I was resisting God's discipline, which was really his freedom. His love to set me free from the miserable place I was living in. He was trying to set me free from death, and I thought he was grabbing life from me. See what happens when the wrong paradigm is in your heart? You just operate it out of it effortlessly, and you don't even know what's going on. Why did I hold on so tightly? I'm talking years. Years. It's a lot of years. Because I had been taught that those that held on to their faith and didn't let go of it would experience that abundant life that you can have from this world. It was a wrong paradigm, a wrong perspective, a serpent's perspective that brought death. What? The big lie. The big lie. Right. And so that's why I was experiencing so much death. And then I realized that I had set my affections on the things of this world. And somehow I hadn't realized it. I I can't even see now how I let it happen and didn't see it. Because, you know, you just don't think about God so much anymore. You think about the things. You think that that's what your relationship with God is based on. But actually what's happening is that is becoming your relationship with God. And the relationship is really with the things that you want. But never back then could anybody have told me, That I wasn't that close with God in all of my time I was thinking about him. Yeah, I was thinking about him for sure. All the things that he could give me in the world. That's not a relationship. You know, he had so much more for me, for all of us. He wants to minister to our hearts. He wants to love on our hearts. He wants to free us from these wrong paradigms. Thank God. God, he didn't stop persuading me. He does not stop. Every week, every week, another one-two punch. And I began to see, if faith had the power to make everything go right in the world, how was it that Stephen was stoned to death? How was it that Peter was crucified? How was it that Paul was stoned, shipwrecked, bitten by a snake? On and on and on. And I began seeing, surely these people were walking in some level of faith. It should have produced something so that their lives would go better than this. And my grip began to get weaker and weaker and weaker. Is God continued to persuade my heart. It reminds me of a scripture in Jeremiah 23, 29. It says, Is not my word like as a fire that consumes everything that cannot endure the test, says the Lord, and like a hammer that beats in pieces the rock of most stubborn resistance. Man! That's what I needed. (laughs) I needed those punches. I needed that hammer to come and just bust up my paradigm that I thought had come from God. I got that in a church. You know, sitting in a church, I got that. that. I was taught that in a church. And so surely I wouldn't let go of it. Thank God for his patience. He de- his determined desire to set me free from another gospel. He loved me so much that he didn't want to let me continue to sit in that awful paradigm where I would continually judge myself and my faith and judge him. Because let me tell you, there were a lot of times where I judged my faith. had gotten real strong. And why wasn't he backing up the faith that I had produced. I thought it was for him, but it was really to get everything I wanted. (laughs) He kept attacking the death that was attacking me with a vengeance that would never cease until he could free me. He loves us so much. Being who he is, he can't let us sit in death. He knows he's conquered death for us already. And he wants to move us out of those paradigms that we live in our hearts that produce death. He wants to move us into himself, who he is, his paradigm, which is love and truth and peace. That's why Proverbs 3 tells us to guard our hearts. Because the paradigms and the things that we believe in our heart, those things are going to affect how we live. Greg mentioned the song Talking to Jesus several times recently. And that's often how this paradigm shift happens. As we hear the true gospel and talk to Jesus about our situation, he brings his wisdom and his perspective to our hearts. The second paradigm shift I experienced happened two weeks ago. Okay, good. Little Girls are gone. Um, (laughs) um, There were several people on this particular day a couple of weeks ago that needed my help all at the same time. And it's my family. And that really gets to me. And I'm only one person. (laughs) And I have a big family and they all live close to me. And, you know, sometimes they all have needs at the same time. And it's very hard, in fact, it's impossible for me to choose who I'm going to help and who I'm not going to help. So I felt this heavy weight of responsibility and desperation to meet all their needs. The next day, it was still on me, and I could feel fear and failure. And so I began talking to Jesus. And I said, Jesus, show me. Show me what is going on. He brought me to a very unpleasant childhood memory Um, as a young child i was programmed in satanic rituals now you would think that's a really horrible thing but do you know what they programmed me into a life of self-effort that's what it was all about feeling responsible for everyone Thinking that I had to be the savior because God wasn't. That was the main programming and teaching that I received from it. And it was very effective. I mentioned before when I preached, I hated God till I was 25. And just because of what I believed, because what had happened there. So anyway, in this memory, I saw four people. We were behind my grandparents' house, and there was a pasture. Try to get over the, the situation. I just need to share it so you understand where I came from. Four people tied up in each corner of the pasture. If I could get there quick enough, then they wouldn't get be hurt or killed. You know, I was a little kid. They made sure there wasn't enough time for me to help anybody, but I didn't know that. So I always tried to get them free and I couldn't, not even once. So in my heart, I took on the responsibility and the guilt and the self-hatred. Why couldn't I help these people? It was as if I had done it. That's what they made me believe. I did it the whole while they're the ones that are causing the problems. So Jesus came and sat down right next to me in the memory and listen to this he patted the ground and he said come and sit down with me and rest and i said what i can't rest are you kidding me do you see what's happening why aren't you helping anyone i have to try to save them jesus he just smiled and patted the ground next to him and said come and sit by me and rest I just kept crying and arguing with him and saying no, I had to help them. And then Jesus said the most amazing thing to me. He said, I have already taken care of it all. Come and sit with me and rest. And I responded back because I don't hold back. No, you haven't taken care of anything. (laughs) You haven't taken care of anything. I'm yelling at Jesus. They need help. Jesus said to me, I have already taken care of everything. Just like my father was with me on the cross. I have been with each of them. Telling them how loved they were. Telling them how beautiful they were to me. Telling them how much I love them. Filling them with rest. Showing them eternal life promising to them that I had eternal life waiting for them, telling them that he was leading them to green pastures and beside the still water. He told me that he filled them with abundance and immortality. Wow. How amazing that God was with those people. I could sit and rest. God knew what those people needed. I didn't know. God granted them his life that overcomes the death in the world. God had already done it all. He has taken care of all the death in the world. And that's what he's telling me and what he's been saying to me for the last week. He has already taken care of it. Not just those four people in the pasture, the people that we love in our lives. He has already overcome all the death in the world. And as we can sit with Jesus and let him go to those deep places in our heart, he will show us his paradigm. He'll show us what he sees in these situations that cause us fear and pain in this world. So that the pain and fear that we feel, he'll replace it with his life, which is love and joy and peace and rest. A lifetime of responsibility fell off my shoulders. I realized it wasn't my job to take away everybody's pain. It wasn't my job to take away anybody's pain. God was good and I could trust that he had already done it. He has helped everyone. It just didn't look like it in my paradigm. I had to enter into his paradigm before I could see the work that he had done. God's paradigm came and swallowed up the serpent's paradigm. He put it to death. And his life became my life for that situation. The burdens and the responsibility fell off of me and I sat with Jesus and rested. Since that day, which was two weeks ago, my life is so different. When, like I said, quicker and deeper, I go to Jesus the minute I hear something or I see something that bothers me. Yesterday, I had someone tell me something For them, it was really ugly. I couldn't believe they said that to me. And and I actually started to tear up. And I was in a public place. But there, Jesus, you know, I immediately went to Jesus real quick. What's going on, God? Show me what is going on here. And he said, man, they don't even know they did that. They're just up to here with their job. And they just come come in unglued. You don't need to even let that go in your mind. But see, I would let things replay in my mind so much. Boom, gone, gone. I'm only remembering it because of this sermon. That's it, to share with you all. And I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not saying that we don't help people when we can. Because there are times when we are. And we just feel the life of God coming up inside of us to do it. I was doing it out of obligation and a fear and feeling that God was not there for people. So I had to be Jesus's substitute. Doesn't it sound awful when you really see the the right paradigm correctly? Then you can see how ugly the old paradigm is. And yet because it's presented as a tree that's good for food, you don't see it until you get into God's paradigm and God's perspective, and then it becomes so easy to see. I see paradigms everywhere now. It doesn't matter what's happening. Yesterday morning, I was fixing eggs. I cracked two eggs, and there, one of the eggs had a double yolk. How do you think that's going to connect to God, really? So Larry was right there. He was cooking, too. We started laughing, and he said, look, you got a double portion. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. So God takes me back to years ago. Remember I said that I don't like to travel that much? Well, I travel to and fro in the United States chasing after a double portion of Elijah's anointing. (laughs) Wow, so Larry and I were laughing so much at that. Why did I do that? Because I believed what I was taught in the church. I had to get that double anointing. And this man in Pennsylvania, he had it. And so I had to travel to Pennsylvania to get it. The words dumb sheep come to my mind. (laughs) Why would I travel to Pennsylvania to get a double portion of Elijah's anointing when I had the full portion of Jesus' anointing and Jesus living inside of me? Wow, how could I have been so duped? Because that teaching told me I lacked. That teaching told me that God had more for me, but I had to work to get it and I had to earn it. So I had to travel and put myself out to go get it. Paradigms and the things that we believe in our heart is what we live out of, whether we realize it or not. And so God's desire, because he loves us so much, is to set us free from those paradigms and beliefs that are hurting us. I thought God was happy that I was traveling to Pennsylvania. (laughs) <laughs> why couldn't I have heard it then? Because I had this grip around that thing and I was not going to let myself hear anything but that double portion. And that's what I had to have. So we're persuading, persuaded out of the old paradigm of death into the new paradigm of life by hearing the truth and talking to Jesus. Every time we're confronted with really anything, a double yoke, you know, (laughs) you can go talk to Jesus and he will begin sifting through those paradigms that are causing you pain. The two different paradigms boil down to this, mortality versus immortality. When I was chasing after the things of the world, I was going after things that were not eternal. They were temporary. It was the sand. God wants to move us from a place where we're trusting in ourselves to trusting in him for life. He even produces that trust in us. We don't even produce that ourselves. And this brings me to the last paradigm I want to talk about real quickly. Gwen Myrie, now she's Gwen McCloud. Congratulations, Gwen and Brad. She shared the difference between being a giver and a receiver. Oh, wow, huge. Two different paradigms. And of course, I was programmed to be a giver as a kid, But then the church taught me to be a giver. You had to do this. You had to do that. A lot of the things were things I would have never done had I not been told that God wouldn't be pleased with me if I didn't do it. God created you to be a receiver. Just receive. Just receive. Just like Mary. You don't have to give. Just be a receiver and everything else will work out. We see the ultimate display of these two paradigms when Jesus was on the cross. Men said he was a criminal. He was a fraud. He was a liar. He was not the son of God. What was God's paradigm? What did God see? God saw his son. God saw himself willing to lay down his life for the people that he loved so much. He saw death being conquered and killed. He saw his dream to have us as his children being fulfilled. The paradigms that we see things through changes everything. We can see the same situation through two opposite lenses. We can see it empty or we can see it full. We can see it from our perspective and our carnal eyes, or we can see what God is seeing. God wants to share with us what he sees and what he knows. What an awesome relationship. So father, I thank you for conquering death in its system against us. Thank you that you have already conquered it. Thank you for showing us your perspective. The paradigm that's your life. Thank you that you are our firm foundation. You are the only firm foundation for us. All else is shifting sand. We thank you that you walk every minute of our lives with us, sharing what you see, what you feel with us because you love us so much. Amen. Amen.